0: Well, this morning we are closing out our I Like Giving sermon series. And over the past couple of weeks we've been talking about what it might mean for us to say with our hearts, with our heads, with our actions, I like giving, and to really mean it. And we started with what it means to say I like giving joyfully, and talked about those responses that we have, those physical responses we have to giving. And how it brings us joy and changes our our makeup of our brain as we give. The second week we talked about what it means to give selflessly. And we honored those saints that have gone before us, that have shown us what it is to give of themselves. So that we might come to know God in a new way. So that the world might begin to see God's light shining in a new way. And last week, y'all, last week was a highlight for me as we talked about what it means to say, I like giving with my community. And we came in here and we worshiped and we celebrated and then we scattered, right? From here through the gathering place and even out onto Roswell Road to put together different kits, different picture frames, goodie bags, hot chocolate donuts to celebrate who we are as a community, as a body of Christ, and to give back with our community. And I hope you've seen, there's a great picture, it's on our Facebook page, of the collection of items up at the altar rail. that We brought them all back in at the end of the 11 o'clock worship time last week, and we said a prayer over all of them, over the blankets that went to our family promise Uh, families to the rice that was going to the pastor's pantry and to must ministry to the boxes of wrapped silverware that are going to must ministry to the picture frames that are going to our lighthouse academy i mean the list goes on and on of the ways we gave last week it was a beautiful thing so thank you for trying something new and maybe we'll do something like it again It might be good so today we come to the culmination To this final Sunday, where we say, I like giving for the kingdom of God. And today is the day when, at the end of worship, we will bring our commitment cards front to give them back. This is the time where we say, I am making a commitment to my church with my money, with my funds. All right, and if you didn't bring your little card back, that's fine. We have um, even some bigger ones that you can maybe are even easier to read um, uh, back in the back. So if you didn't bring one today and you want to be able to fill one out, they are back in the back so we can get one for you. But this is an important step, not just for the church, because we take these promises, these pledges, and begin to plan our finances, right, for the coming year and how we will be able to use what you give with the church. But it's just as important for our own individual spiritual lives to be able to put pen to paper and to make a commitment that I'm willing to give, that I'm willing to make a sacrifice with my money, my hard-earned money, that I have a long list of things that it needs to be spent on, And let's face it, a long list of things that I would really like to spend it on. (laughs) But that I'm going to make a commitment that a portion of it is going to go to the church and to the work of God. And this is one way where we begin to say, I want to see the kingdom of God come to fulfillment here on earth, in this place, right now. And I don't only just want that to happen, I'm going to do something about it. And I'm going to give towards it. Because that is what the church does with the money. Everything we do, everything we plan, is with the kingdom of God in the front of our minds. Now you may look at, you know, the church budget and, and see where the money is going that it's going to pay the bills. It's going to pay staff salaries and all those other kind of mundane expenses that we have to have. But I want you to hear and to know that behind those expenses are powerful expressions of the kingdom of God. That we pay the light bill so that the light can shine from our church out into the world, inviting people in. Inviting people from scouts to support groups, from school children to senior adults, from wanderers to worshipers. That we pay the bills so that the rooms can be cooled as we pack summer lunches each summer that go out into our community as part of the must summer lunch program. That we pay our bills so that the rooms will be heated in the winter to provide respite for families Who are in transition. And that we pay the salaries for our staff who don't just work one morning a week and don't just have one book to work from, for that too, right? But a staff that are dedicated to creating experiences for the kingdom of God to be seen and experienced in worship, in study. In music, in camps, in games, in conversations. All of what we receive, we are to be stewards for the kingdom. And you help make that happen. And so today, as we talk about what it means to say, I like giving for the kingdom of God, we are going to focus on the kingdom. What does it mean to be a kingdom people? What is the kingdom of God even like? And how might we give of ourselves, of our resources for the kingdom? So to do that, we are turning to Jesus who gives us plenty of descriptions of the kingdom. And the parable of the valuable coins that's found in Matthew chapter 25 will be beginning with the 14th verse, and you can follow along up on the screens. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who was leaving on a trip. He called his servants and handed his possessions over to them. To one he gave five valuable coins, and to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. He gave to each servant according to that servant's ability, and then he left on his journey. After the man left, the servant who had five valuable coins took them and went to work doing business with them. He gained five more. In the same way, the one who had two valuable coins gained two more. But the servant who had received the one valuable coin dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five valuable coins came forward with five additional coins. He said, Master, you gave me five valuable coins. Look, I've gained five more. His master replied, Excellent, you are a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come celebrate with me. The second servant also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two valuable coins. Look, I've gained two more. His master replied, Well done, you are a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come celebrate with me. Now the one who had received one valuable coin came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man. "'You harvest grain where you haven't sown. "'You gather crops where you haven't spread seed. "'So I was afraid, and I hid my valuable coin in the ground. "'Here have what's yours.' "'His master replied, "'You evil and lazy servant. "'You knew that I harvest grain where I haven't sown "'and that I gather crops where I haven't spread seed. "'In that case, you should have turned my money over to the bankers "'so that when I returned, you could give me what belonged to me with interest.' Therefore, take from him the valuable coin and give it to the one who has ten. Those who have much will receive more, and they will have more than they need. But as for those who don't have much, even the little bit they have will be taken away from them. Now take the worthless servant and throw him outside into the darkness. People, there will be weeping and grinding of their teeth. I'm going to let you in on a little secret i used to hate this parable i mean deep down did jesus really say this and if he did then maybe it's not for me hate this parable give me any other one how about the shepherd who loses the sheep right and goes out to find it and comes back and celebrates Ha! yeah there's a good one or you've heard me preach on the parable of, of the, the son who goes away, right? The son, he goes away, he comes back home, his father throws him a party. Hip, hip, hooray, yes. But this little nugget from Jesus doesn't have the best ending. Not a, and they lived happily ever after kind of story. Now, usually, when things make us a bit uncomfortable, it's because they're pointing something out about ourselves, right? When we don't like it, when it hits us that close to home, well, maybe we should dig in a little deeper. And that was the case for me. This parable showed me something about myself that I didn't particularly like. You see, when I read this parable, the one that I associated most closely with was that third servant, the one who buried the coin in the ground. I mean, come on, right? We know that this this master can be harsh, so why would I do something that might make me the target of his harshness? I'm just going to take what he gives me, bury it away, and then he can't get mad if I were to lose it. Or so we thought. If I were to get this large sum of money, I would do everything in my power to try and keep it safe. Right? I mean, I'm a people pleaser at heart, for good or for ill. And so that's what I would have done. That's the servant that I would have been. I mean, because let's pause for a moment and just consider how much money it is that we're talking about. These valuable coins, these talents, one talent was equal to the wages of a day laborer for 15 years. So that servant that got five, he got as much money as one person would earn in 75 years. That second one, 30 years. And that last one, 15. I mean, in modern terms, we're talking about hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of dollars that the master entrusted these servants with. So it seems to be the most sensible to just take it, and bury it, and not worry about it. Why even take the risk? And honestly, that's where I lived in that world for so many years. The one not wanting to take the risks. The one afraid of loss. of of disappointment, of that big, scary F word, failure. But Jesus wouldn't let me stay there. Jesus kept after me, calling me back over and over again to this parable. This is what the kingdom of of God is like, Kristen. This right here. The kingdom of God isn't about being satisfied with what you've got and just living your life. The kingdom of God isn't about living in fear of what might happen if you fail. No, The kingdom of God is much richer and deeper and more exciting than that. And so as I rediscovered this parable, I heard Jesus calling me out, not for my actions, but really for my lack of action. While others were out there increasing what they had, I was just holding on to it and just trying to take care of it as it was. Now, that's not inherently bad, right? It's not bad to take care of things. It's it's a good thing to to make sure things are safe. But when it begins to to hinder what could be. Well, that's what Jesus wanted me to see. And you know, this parable it's it's not really just about money. Right? And it's not about our our gifts or our abilities. I mean, when we say the parable of the talents, we start to think, oh, well, that's the talents that I have, right? My abilities. I love how um, Reverend Sarah Bruteau, in one of her sermons on this parable, she says this. She says, folks, Jesus is not some first century Susie Orman telling us what to spend our money on, right? What do you want to buy? But neither is Jesus This big purple dinosaur like Barney that's come to tell us to to practice the piano more (laughs) and really build up the talents you have. No, Jesus is the Messiah and has so much more to teach us with this tale. Because in this parable, as we think about what we are called to do with the valuable coins with the valuable gifts that God has given us, we are called to take risks with them. To take risks not for ourselves, but for the kingdom of God. To see that God has given us an abundance of love and grace and mercy, and what are we to do with it? Are we to hoard it or bury it? Or are we to go out into the world with it and do our best to increase it and expand it so that more can see the kingdom of God? Right? The way God treats those first two servants, the way the master reminds them, That they have come out of their comfort zones. That they have challenged themselves and now they will be rewarded. It reminds us that what the kingdom of God is like is to truly consider what it means to trust God with all that we have. To trust God in a way that we don't take extra precautions to, to keep it safe, but that we will take risks for God, live into the kingdom of God by giving of ourselves in ways that might be uncomfortable. To give of our lives in a way that isn't always so safe and secure, but is more of a Divine adventure. Now, I know for some people, when I say divine adventure, you're like, yes, sign me up. I am there. But for others who identify more with that third servant, you have a few questions, right? Where exactly is this adventure going? What do I need to pack for this adventure? How long will we be gone? What's going to happen to me, to the people I love, to my job? No matter where you fall on that spectrum, ready for adventure or a bit hesitant or somewhere in between, the message that God has for us is the same. Come And join me on this adventure. Trust that I will never leave you or forsake you on this adventure. Know that there will be challenges. There will be times of loss. You will fail along the way. But God says, my children, The rewards that come with this risk, they are greater than you could have ever imagined. To say, I like giving for the kingdom of God, invites us to consider what kind of risks we are willing to take. What are we willing to give up in order that something greater could come? could be with our money. But it starts with our finances and our resources and when we come here to give our commitments we're saying I'm taking a risk for the kingdom. But the adventure continues right in the ways we live our lives. It it might mean that that this adventure is, is a mission trip. Where you step out of your comfort zone and and leave your family and your friends and your job for a moment to go and serve. This divine adventure for you may be encountering a new community or encountering this community just in a new way by volunteering with the pastor's pantry and helping to resource those in need. Or volunteering with with Family Promise to, to spend the night on an uncomfortable cot just to help provide support and encouragement for family in transition. This divine adventure could mean signing up for a Bible study and digging into scripture in a way that you haven't ever before. It could mean reaching out for a for a Stephen minister because you're experiencing something in your life that is hard and you realize that you might need someone to journey with you. This divine adventure, it can take us so many places for willing to take the risk. I told you that Jesus had been working on me and in my life with this parable as I typically, historically, identified with that third servant. Not wanting to take the risks. And I lived my life that way. I responded to God's call on my life to to be a pastor, but to serve uh, in the role of an associate. Right, with a focus in in Christian education and formation. And and that's where I lived for, for 10 years in my ministry. Comfortable, secure, in the second chair. But God's spirit continued to work in me, to push me out of my comfort zone, to be willing to take a risk. Here I am. <laughs> Stepping out. To move beyond the role of an associate into a pastor in charge. To take the risk of what that meant for family. To take the risk of what that meant for my own comfort. I mean, I was doing pretty well. I was pretty successful in that arena. This brings all new challenges, all new uncertainties, a whole new set of risks. But God said this is what the kingdom of God is like, to take those risks and to see how God might move in you and through you. Now, thankfully, I haven't done it on my own, right? Just like those first two servants were told in the scriptures that they went to work with the money they had received. You can't go to work with something alone, right? You do it in community. And so I've had a community of friends and colleagues who have pushed me and encouraged me and supported me. I've had family that stepped up to encourage And to support. have you. We are going to work together. What an adventure we get to be on together. To be the kingdom of God here in East Cobb. To shine our light into this community. To people and places, God, that need it that need to know that they are loved and that God's grace is for them and that God's forgiveness is available to them. Now, will we fall along the way in our journey together? Yes. (laughs) Will we step out and take some risks and fail? Gosh, I hope so because that means we will also step out and take some risks that will be amazing for God's kingdom. That I want us together to say, I like giving, I like giving of my life for the ways God will move and make God's self present here in this place all of us together on a divine adventure. I really hope that you're ready for an adventure, and that you're ready for what God has in store. We will take some risks and give of ourselves kingdom to come, here and now. Will you pray with me? Lord, our God, you you teach us through these parables. You teach us and you show us things about us that, that are uncomfortable. And yet you call us still. God, help us to be a people that is willing to take risks for your kingdom, that is willing to give sacrificially for your kingdom, that is willing to be your people for your kingdom. That we may see your love and your grace and your mercy multiplied and increased. That we will go about your work see your kingdom here. Empower us. Encourage us. Spark new ideas within us. Guide us and lead us.